year with a new sort of theme. He probably used Set Free in 2003. I'll have to ask him that. And he could be recycling it. Um, And also, if anybody's in pain, Leanne uh, apparently has been texting some people. She couldn't make it this morning because she's got a terrible toothache. So let's just pray for her as we start. Heavenly Father, thank you so much for uh, Pastor John and Cheryl who are away. We do trust that they're having a wonderful and blessed time and a, a great holiday. We think of also for all those people in pain, for Leanne especially, in that uh, it's a terrible thing to go through when you have debilitating pain and, and it just sort of knocks you down. We just ask that you will help her, <coughs> be with her, but also help ease some of that pain, Lord. As we go through Galatians 3 uh, to chapter 4, we just also ask that you will open our minds and give us the words that you want us to hear and teach us the important truths about this particular passage. Thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. Now, the uh, series (coughs) uh, called Set Free in 2023, the last time... Pastor John preached on that was about three years, uh, three weeks ago. <laughs> you can see I'm, I'm not having a good time. But, but I'd just like to reinforce some of the things he said. You might not have all been here three weeks ago when he gave that message. But uh, what he said was that the letter of Paul to the Galatians was in three main sections. He said chapters one and two were more of a, a biography and chapters 3 and 4, which is what we'll be looking at this morning, is more theology, uh, theological sections. Sections what we need to believe. And in preparing for the message, I came away uh, just with a new appreciation of these particular verses. I thought that Paul's message to the Galatians was profound. That's just how it affected me. And it's certainly a foundational truth of the Gospel. Now I'm just going to read from Galatians 3:15 to 19, but our passage we're actually the main message is going to be from 3:26 to 4:7. And I hope you can read that because I can just Galatians us. Uh, That's all right. Take away Ephesians and put Galatians. (laughs) You can see I've had a... Sorry? (laughs) Yeah. Okay. Brothers and sisters, let me take an example from everyday life. Just as no one can set aside or add to a human covenant that has been duly established, so it is in this case. The promises was spoken to Abraham and his seed. Scripture does not say and to seeds, meaning many people, but to your seed, meaning one person who is Christ. What I mean is this, the law introduced 430 years later does not set aside the covering covenant previously established by God and thus do away with the promise. For if the inheritance depends on the law, then no and no longer depends on the promise, but God in his grace gave it to Abraham through a promise. Why then was the law given at all? 
It was added because of transgressions until the seed whom the promise referred to had come. The law was given through angels and entrusted to a mediator. In the message, Pastor John put forward this. He put forward, he said, first with Abraham there was faith. Then there was circumcision. Then the law was given 430 years later. And roughly, if we look at this timeline, and it still says Ephesians, and I'm really sorry about that, but it's Galatians. <laughs> yeah, I just don't know what I was thinking there. But um, We have the covenant, sorry, the faith covenant with Abraham. He made that promise 430 years before the law came. And that law didn't add to the original promise to Abraham, not one iota. And I was thinking if we brought that forward to today's time, what happened 430 years ago roughly in the world? How was the world different? Because that's a long time, isn't it? And you know what happened? 438 years ago, the Spanish Armada tried to invade England and got completely smashed up in a storm and and the people of England thought it was God's providence. And the picture up there is a picture of the uh, Spanish Armada and the World Book Encyclopedia being destroyed. There's also a picture of Queen Elizabeth I who's up there and this is what's called her Armada portrait. And if you can see it, up the back on her right shoulder is this Spanish Armada that is sailing well and then on the left shoulder is the Spanish Armada destroyed on the rocks of England. And she's there with her hand on a globe of the world more or less indicating, well, now we are the world rulers. Yeah. So that happened 438 years ago approximately the time before the law was given to Moses. That's what that promise was made to Abraham. Just gives you a bit of an idea on on if something were to happen these days, what sort of a time period. We've gone from sailing ships like that to you know going into space in that amount of time. And Pastor John, in his earlier sermon, he said this. He said, when God makes a promise, he keeps it. His promise is powerful, holy, and God is faithful and unchanging. And so he made this promise to Abraham that uh, you know, his seed would be a great nation and, and it happened. So why then did God bring the law in? And Pastor John also went over that. But it was, and it was because of the transgressions of people until the seed whom the promised referred to had come. People were sinning. They would have known in their hearts that were sinning. Like if you do something wrong, normally you know in your heart you feel guilty about it. But the handing down of the Ten Commandments plainly highlighted that the Jew- to the Jewish people what they should and shouldn't be doing. There were no excuses by bringing the law in. So people knew. So let's come to Galatians 3.26 and what does that say? 
It says, so in Christ Jesus, you're all children of God through faith. You're all children of God through faith in Christ. For all of you who were baptised into Christ have clothed themselves with Christ. There's neither Jew nor Gentile, neither slave nor free, there's, nor there's male or female, for all you, you're all one in Christ Jesus. And if you belong to Christ, then you are Abraham's seed and heirs according to the promise. So what I'm saying is, is that as long as an heir is under age, he is no different from a slave, though he owns the whole estate. The heir is subject to guardians and trustees until the time set by his father. So also, when we, so also when we were under age, we were in slavery under the elemental spiritual forces of the world. But when the time had fully come, God sent his son, born of a woman, born under the law, to redeem those under the law that we might receive adoption as sonship. Because you are his sons. God sent the spirit of his son into our hearts, the spirit who calls out, Abba, Father. So you are no longer a slave, but God's child. And since you were his child, God has made you also an heir. So I could have very easily started with good morning children, for those of you who have placed their faith in Christ Jesus. If we go back to 3.26, I'll just read this out again. So in Christ Jesus you are all children of God through faith. For all of you who were baptised into Christ have clothed yourselves with Christ. There's neither Jew nor Gentile, slave or free, nor there is a male or female. You're all one in Christ Jesus. Now when Christ came, the guardian of the law was no longer needed. It was not necessary for any of them to continue to follow the works of the law. True freedom from sin is now available for those who by faith receive the gift of Christ's death for their sin on the cross. That's really important. In fact, being in Christ by faith causes believers to become children of God. Paul's making a huge statement here in writing to non-Jewish Christians and calling them children of God, another step up from the previous description of them as Abraham's children by faith. So basically he's gone to calling people Abraham's children by faith to now children of God. Paul's teaching is that people no longer needed to think of themselves as lesser members of the family of God. All who trust in Christ for salvation are full sons and daughters of God Almighty and the rights and privileges that come with that. The freedom from captivity of the law also transcends other barriers such as race, gender, wealth, health and culture. They're all irrelevant to our relationship with the Saviour. And anyone who belongs to Christ by faith is promised to be an heir. 
So going back to verse 26, it says, if you belong to Christ, then you are Abraham's seed and heirs according to the promise. Uh, Sorry, verse 29 says that. So if the Bible says it, I believe it. So just reinforcing this, this theme. What Galatians said at 3, 8 and 9 and Pastor John would have covered this but it says that scripture foresaw that God would justify the Gentiles by faith and announced the gospel in advance to Abraham. So all those years earlier the gospel was announced to Abraham that all nations would be blessed through him. And so those who rely on faith are blessed along with Abraham, the man of faith. If we move on to chapter 4, this is what it says. It says, What I am saying is that as long as an heir is underage, he's no different from a slave, although he owns the whole estate. The heir is subject to guardians and trustees until the time set by his father. So also, when you, you were underage, you were in slavery under the elemental spirit, spiritual forces of the world. Here Paul paints a picture of a wealthy son who remains without freedom himself. His father dies and because of that he doesn't, even though he is probably a ruler or a lord, he doesn't have access to that wealth until he actually reaches the age. So even when wealthy children lived under the control of teachers and guardians, Paul insists that the crucial day has already come for all those who trust in Christ. They are not under that guardianship anymore. We're no no longer under the supervision of the law of Moses. Christ has brought us out of slavery into God's family. And just reading verse 4, it says, when the, time set, when the set time had fully come, God sent his son, born a woman, born under the law. And I just want to focus on this passage here because when Jesus came, it says God sent his son, which speaks to his deity. But he was born of a woman, which speaks to his humanity. But he was also born under the law which was required to be kept by Jesus. And Philippians 2, 6 and 7 teaches us that Jesus, who being in very nature God, did not consider equality God something to be used to his own advantage, but he took on the very nature of a servant made in human likeness. Jesus had a Jewish mother. He was of the Jewish nation. And even though by very nature God, he wasn't a phantom. He was still a man. And with regards to the law, he didn't get a free pass. But scripture teaches us that he kept the law in all of its demands. And 2 Corinthians 5.21 says this. It said that God made him who had no sin, he had no sin, to be sin for us, that we might become the righteousness of God. So he fulfilled all the requirements of the law and he exhausted all the penalties as our substitute. 
God acted to redeem all those under the law so we might receive adoption as sons and daughters for that matter. The question is why? Why why would God do that? Why would God do that? In Galatians 8.14 it says this, For all those who are led by the Spirit of God are children of God. The Spirit you receive does not make you slaves, so you live in fear again. Rather, the Spirit you receive brought about by your adoption to sonship. And by him we cry, Abba, Father. The Spirit himself testifies that our spirit, with our spirit that we are God's children. Alistair Begg, a pastor in, in the United States, says this. He said, what Paul is making clear is that Jesus is by son nature, willingly set aside that nature and took on the form of a servant so that we by nature, as slaves of sin, might become the sons of God by the adoption of grace. What the son has procured by his death, the spirit applies to our lives. So why did, why did God do this? I believe it was because of an act of love. I remember somebody saying to me once they were adopted and um, I think, you know, there's, if you go on and look at adoption stories and, and I did that, um, it's amazing some of the stories that adopted children and adopted parents have over that adoption process. But this person told me that their mother had always told them that they weren't a baby that was born under the heart, they were a baby that was born within the heart. And I feel that 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 is what God has done for us. We are born in the heart of God as long uh, as we make the steps. Heard another example of a couple who who, uh, adopt a little girl and you can probably just imagine that it takes some time for an adopted child to get to know um, to get to know their uh, adopted family. And it took some time. You know, they had to learn the rules, they had to learn what they did and what they shouldn't do. But one day, this little girl said to the adopted father, Daddy, I need a new shoelace. And at that time, that father knew that he was her daddy. It was the first time she'd said it and it was the first time that she'd wanted something and she called him daddy. And if we look at, you know, uh, Galatians, um, we also can cry out to our own Heavenly Father. Through the Holy Spirit, we can cry out to our Heavenly Father and call him effectively Abba Father or Daddy. Honouring a name is really important. Um, when I used to work, uh, and some of you who were visiting wouldn't know this, but I was a police officer when I worked, and one of my friends was the assistant commissioner. And he went to Brisbane and was relieving as a deputy commissioner and something terrible happened. His son uh, was involved in a home invasion and got charged by the police with that home invasion. And if you think of how terrible that would be if one of your children you know, did something like that, especially when you're a senior police officer. 
I know another senior police officer who had two sons and uh, he said to his sons at one stage, he said, you have my name, right? You have my name and with that name comes responsibility because that senior police officer was very well respected. Uh, He'd been given the Australian Police Medal which is the highest medal that you can be given um, amongst policing and he told his sons that you know their responsibility was to live up to his name and one of the sons obviously listened but the other son if he listened he decided perhaps not to follow what his father had asked because that son used to always say dad I've got to make my own mistakes right So one day the father apparently got a call in the night time. The police had picked him up for drugs in the house and he ended up getting cautioned by the police and didn't have to go to court. So that was probably the first mark uh, against that son. But the second one was when the father got a call um, with the son crying on the end of the phone where he told the father that he'd been picked up for shoplifting. And he asked the father, do you want to talk to the police that are here? What do you think the father did? He said, no, that's right. Yeah. Yeah. So we had one son going one way, another son going the other way and, uh, and not necessarily living up to the name. I think our responsibility, and this is just me saying this, is that people who put their faith in Jesus Christ are called Christians. And Acts 11.26 says the disciples were called Christians first at Antioch. So even, even as a Christian, we are not under the law. I think that we still have a responsibility to live up to that name of, of a Christian. Similar to those fathers and people living up to the names that that they had of their family. In concluding, Paul in these passages in Galatians made a whole sweep of redemptive history. Here is Abraham to whom God gives a promise. Here is Moses to whom he gives the law. And here is Jesus to whom is the end of the law. The law was provided to reveal sin and to point us to Christ. The law is there to say I cannot get past the first one. And the first one is, uh, if you remember Pastor John said that sometimes he would go to people and, and meet with them and say do you love the Lord your God with all your heart and all your soul? And not everybody can say that. So they can't even get past the first of of the Ten Commandments. So the law is there to say, I cannot get past the first one. But acceptance of what Jesus has done for us, accepting him as Lord of our life, gives us the ability to share in the promise that was given to Abraham all those years ago to become children of God. So let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you so much 
uh, for this series that Pastor John has put together. Thank you that those of us who put our faith in the Lord Jesus can call ourselves children of God, that your Holy Spirit meets with our spirit, Lord, and we can call you Abba Father. Thank you for all the blessings. Thank you that we are not under the law, but we are free from that. But we're not also always free from responsibility and we recognise that. As we go out this week, please help us to be your people, to be able to speak what you want us to say and to be witnesses to our friends and our community. Thank you for this in Jesus' name. Amen.